Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending April 16th, 2021. I'm Chris Kyle, and today I'm joined by Chief Investment Strategist, Paul Eidelman. Paul, I think we've seen the earliest week of spring in some time here in Seattle. I hope you're able to enjoy the outdoors the next few days. Yeah, hopefully I can get out to the mountains or at the very least do some gardening projects. Uh, yeah, I'm very much the same, especially for the latter. Now, as we close out the second week of the new quarter, it's no doubt been a busy time in the news cycle. Today, we'll cover the latest U.S. inflation report, China's first quarter GDP results, and provide a broad overall look at the considerable amount of macro data and earnings figures released this week. Starting from the top, the Consumer Price Index reported a year-over-year increase of 2.6%, I think a figure that was higher than anticipated and, at first glance, a little optically concerning. However, how should we be interpreting this figure, and is it really cause for alarm? Yeah, Chris, I think whenever you see a 2.6% inflation figure, it, it might create some concern because it seems like it's above the Fed's target. But there's a couple of things that are happening under the surface of that that I think make it less alarming for us. First of all is what's driving the inflation. And in March, a big component of the surge in prices came from gasoline. And that's a really volatile component of CPI in general. And we would just kind of look at what's happened to crude oil here over the last month or so. Those prices have stabilized a little bit. So I would expect that component of strong price inflation to fade. The other thing that's happening with the inflation data right now is uh, what economists call base effects. So in March, April and May of 2020, inflation was really weak because we're in the, the sort of most acute phase of COVID lockdowns. We actually had deflation for three months in a row. And that created a really low level for the consumer price index. And, and now, in, just in terms of year-over-year percent changes, we're comparing to those low levels. That's creating uh, artificially high inflation numbers uh, here in March, very likely again in April and May. Uh, but those sort of base effect issues in terms of causing higher inflation should also uh, fade away in just the next couple of months here. And I think from a, a broader perspective, uh, with uh, the U.S. labor market still being relatively weak and with capacity utilization being relatively soft, we think there's uh, quite a lot of room to grow for the U.S. economy before inflation becomes problematic on a sustained basis. And so we don't think those issues will really manifest until at least 2022 or maybe uh, 2023. And when you look at how the fixed income market traded this week, Treasury yields actually declined moderately despite this surprising inflation data, which I think is encouraging that fixed income investors are kind of judging this uh, correctly. Well, in a similar vein of heightened figures or to use your term, base effects, last night, China released their first quarter GDP figures, which came in at a record-breaking 18.3%, I believe the highest value seen since recording the statistic nearly 30 years ago. Now, we know China shut down their economy earlier than anyone else globally, so they're getting that snapback effect due to the dampened quarter's growth. But are there other presumably positive observations we can draw here? Yeah, I mean, some of it is that snapback issue compared to the lockdowns from the first quarter of 2020, as you alluded to. Uh, but we kind of scratch the next layer down in the Chinese data. There are some significant areas of strength and um, in particular, what China calls their secondary industry, which is basically manufacturing and industrial activity. Those segments of the economy looked particularly strong in the first quarter of 2021, delivering around 25% growth compared to that 18% um, figure that you were quoting on a headline basis. 
And I think that that strength in the manufacturing sector has really been driven by uh, robust global export demand uh, as the global economy is starting to pick up a little bit of steam here, um, particularly uh, in March and as we transition into the spring. And that should benefit uh, China as a sort of major engine of, of global growth. Well, I know on top of everything else that's occurred this week, there was a slew of other additional macro data, anywhere from retail sales to unemployment claims to earnings reports. Anything catch your eye and were results meeting, maybe exceeding expectations? Yeah, I think generally exceeding and by a very large margin. The, the, the macro and earnings data this week has been pretty exceptional. Uh, in the United States, we had really robust retail sales suggesting the consumer is quite strong here uh, in the month of March. We know there was the big fiscal stimulus checks that benefited household incomes, um, and we're seeing good sort of robust spending on the back of uh, that fiscal stimulus support. Uh, the initial jobless claims data also fell pretty dramatically, suggesting potentially the labor market's continuing to heal after that uh, really strong 1 million jobs gain that we saw a month ago. Uh, so again, I think in a general sense, the U.S. economy looks like it's doing pretty nicely in the turn from the first to second quarter of 2021. Uh, and then on the earnings side, we're just starting now. The, the first quarter earnings season is only about a week old at this point, but the initial results there have been pretty outstanding too. The consensus came into this earnings season looking for earnings growth for the S&P 500 of 25%. So far, almost 90% of companies have been beating those expectations, and the estimates have already had to move up pretty sharply because of the magnitude of at which companies are, are beating those hurdles. So sitting here today on Friday morning, we're already looking at something close to 30% earnings growth from that initial mark of 25%. And again, we're only a week into this with only a small fraction of companies reporting. So it looks like the fundamental strength, both in the U.S. and global economy is really translating nicely into companies' bottom lines at this point. Yes, completely agree. And now before we wrap up, I, I do want to ask, I know that the CDC announced that um, earlier in the U.S., half of all adults have received their first dose of the vaccine. On top of that, though, Johnson & Johnson, they were put on pause nationally. The rare blood clot issue, not unlike what AstraZeneca has faced over in Europe, um, any concerns on how this rollout um, may affect, I guess, the vaccination efforts here, the recovery efforts, some of the continued earnings growth that you just alluded to? Yeah, I think it's only likely to be a minimal impact in the United States. Um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine seems like it'll be on pause for a bit. Um, the FDA has already said they're going to want to take at least another week to gather and review some more data before they make a decision. Um, but the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is only making up about 12% of the U.S. vaccination campaign right now in terms of new doses. So it's uh, a significant but minority uh, driver of uh, the U.S. vaccination campaign and might only have an impact on the order of a week or two in terms of when we think the U.S. economy can fully reopen. It's maybe a bit bigger of a deal for the emerging markets, some Economies there, like South Africa, for example, don't have as much access to uh, the mRNA vaccines that we do in the United States and are more reliant on Johnson & Johnson, for example. And so if they are significantly delayed, it might slow the EM recovery. Uh, but I think in the U.S., we're still very much on track for strong growth uh, here in just the next couple of months. 
Well, thank you so much for your thoughts, Paul. As always, much appreciated. I believe that's all the time we have for today. To everyone else listening, stay safe, be well. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.